Welcome to the Live My Dream podcast, hosted by me, Brendan Abernathy, singer, songwriter, and performing artist, traveling around the United States, living my dream, which I would love for you to follow along with on beabernathy.com. That's babernathy.com. On this podcast, I interview cool people doing cool things about their decision to step boldly into fear and make their dream a reality today. What is up? This is your host, Brendan Abernathy, coming at you live from Auburn, Alabama. So to all of my dogs, I am sorry I'm in enemy-occupied territory. But nonetheless, it is a beautiful town, beautiful people. I am here with someone who has been described to me as Auburn famous, the legend himself, Johnny Bradford. Johnny, what do you have to say for yourself? Not a whole lot, man. We're, we're happy to have you down here in Auburn, Alabama. Like you said, it is a beautiful place, beautiful people. We like Athens too, but we just don't like to admit it. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. It's like everyone I've interacted with down here seems exactly like all my friends from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly sad. Because it's like you almost want to dislike the enemy. Yeah. It's almost like if it wasn't for football, would we all just be best friends? I think we would. <laughs> I think we would indeed. Okay. So Johnny is a fascinating individual and he has done a ton of traveling. And the reason why we're having him on the podcast today is because after graduation, he is choosing to start a company in Europe that has to do with traveling. And I want to let him tell us about that company. And then we'll go back and learn about how he got to where he is now. But please tell us about that, Johnny. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. So for listeners, it's probably a little bit weird. One, having a podcast, being from Auburn, Alabama, and much less having a guy on this podcast in Auburn, Alabama, soon to move to Europe. That just, odds are, it might be new to your ears. Um, and looking back at the past few years of my life, it seems almost to be the organic next step, just based on the experience that I've accumulated, the people that I have met, and the opportunities that have come my way. Um, so essentially, all of the past few years of my life have been summed up by culture and people, and the people and the traditions and the food and the wine that make up those cultures. Um, growing up in Birmingham, Alabama, everybody I interacted with was kind of in a 15-mile bubble, and we all believed the same things, dressed the same way, looked the same, whether it was religion, politics, or really anything um, in thought or in action, we agreed upon it, whether that was because we didn't know what we were talking about, or just everybody was that similar in that area. And it wasn't until I moved to a smaller town in Alabama that I got to exposed, got exposed to cultures and people that were not necessarily in that 15 mile bubble that I was so used to and that I knew to be home and therefore I knew to be the world. And after getting acquainted with people from China, Iran, France, um, and so on and so forth, I think that there's over 90 nations represented in Auburn. Um, my love for people and places grew more and more and more. And it got to a point where I just realized I, I just needed to go. I needed to go see something that was different from um, my home. And although that my family has traveled growing up, um, essentially we always stayed in resorts that were fenced in and guarded in the Caribbean. And so our interaction with people and cultures was limited based off of what they presented to you um, within those fences. And I had a friend in Texas that moved to university at St. Andrews in about an hour north of Edinburgh in Scotland and she said hey we have this Octavian Ball this is September 2017 come to Scotland to Scotland Wow so of course yes but then once you say yes and you want to go there's what at least 37 questions to answer of how to get there maybe 38 maybe 38 um, so the first question was money. My entire life, I always thought that going to Europe, you needed about $3,000 in your bank account. That was expendable. And you also needed at least two weeks minimum to see this come to fruition and to do it well. And yet the first time I went to that Octavian Ball in Edinburgh, Scotland in 2017, I spent $71 on a flight from Atlanta to Scotland, and I was there for three days, and I flew back for class $71. on Monday. $71. $71. How'd you find that? That's a great question, and it is incredibly hard to deduce that to just a simple few steps to follow, 
Um, but every airline company goes through a baseline to decide what prices they show you through a thing called revenue management. And the first time I saw that $71 flight was purely happenstance. But once I saw it, I said, wow, <laughs> do people know this exists? I didn't know it existed. Do you know this exists? I didn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so I, I just thought there had to be more circumstances where prices dropped this low. And so for the upcoming months, I spent all of my time figuring out the way that these people sitting in these computers at headquarters in Houston, Dallas, etc., were thinking to decide why is this price going to be what it is and when is it going to fluctuate. And so this $71 flight was pure luck. Nothing that I did. It was just there. But then the more I started to learn, the more I was learning, it's usually there. And sometimes it can be lower. So I went to Scotland and Ireland in those three days. First time into Europe, 2017. Through what I learned through the revenue management process and also experiencing what it's like to operate outside of your comfort bubble, if you will, I said, this is, we need more of this, essentially. And there's a lot of questions of how, like I think most people would say, if you wanna go to Europe, you need two weeks vacation and a couple thousand dollars. Yet I just did it for four days and I think I spent about $250 total for everything. So how can I tell people about this? And the best way that I thought to do that was to start a company that gave people access to the knowledge that I found and just send them flights and say, hey, you can go to Beijing, China for a week and a half and you can do that for a $400 round trip. Or you can go to Paris, France for $225 round trip, go for it. And so November of that same year, 2017, I launched what we call Johnny's Flights um, and started marking that as a subscription model just to get people interested in saying, hey, I have some free time, I have some money, I don't have a lot, this is possible. And we would try to make it possible. Do you have any cool stories about people having life-changing experiences from these cheap flights? I would say many. So I think that is one of the coolest intersections of travel and everyday life is that it gets you a little bit out of your comfort zone, but depending on where you are, you're still comfortable enough to interact in the culture and just realize that you don't know what's going on around you to where you're a little bit more open to their ways of life. Um, and cheap flights is nothing but a vehicle of getting people to these places and the people that are in these places. And so we've had stories of um, people going to Chengdu, China, and interacting with people in the villages that are surrounding Chengdu, China, um, that essentially they come back and they say, wow, I didn't think there was a culture that was more different from American culture. And a lot of the way, in a lot of ways, I still stand by that because it is very different. But at the same time, they get up in the morning, they put their pants on one leg at a time. Maybe they have tea instead of coffee, but depending where you are, they have really good coffee in South Eastern China. Really, really good coffee. Um, and they go to work and they try to provide for their family um, in the same way that a lot of people do in the States and most everywhere in the world. Um, and so to sum it up, people go to these places and they come back and say, wow, I had a lot more in common with people and I felt a lot more safe and comfortable in these places than I ever would have thought. So you've done a lot of traveling, right? I have. So. In relativity. What's something you've learned about humans? And what's something that you've learned about yourself when traveling? Mm, those are two great questions. So kind of branching off what I said um, to your previous question, the more that I've traveled and the more places I've seen, the more food that I've eaten, um, whether it's in the desert in Jordan or another part of the Middle East, whether it's in North Africa, um, staying in the mountain ranges, 
or Eastern, Western Europe, Caribbean, South America. People are incredibly welcoming, especially with um, North African people and Middle Eastern people. I thought that Southern hospitality was a thing. And then I would go to places in the Middle East and in North Africa, and people would drop what they're doing and say, come with me. Come into my house, come eat my food. And once you're in there, they don't want you to leave. They want you to be completely full, completely happy, and they just want to sit there and spend time with you, even if they don't speak English. Because I do not speak any Arabic. I know that might be surprising. Um, not even a little bit. Um, and people would really just want to spend time with you. Whereas growing up, my thought of hospitality was more so spending time with people and being nice to people. And that kind of, in the South at least, I've learned that that kind of stops at our doorstep. We want to be hospitable and we want to be all things for people, but we kind of want to have our personal life separate from that. And when I started traveling in the Middle East and North Africa, that was, that was it for them, and especially in Jewish culture. I mean, sharing a meal is sharing your life with people, and they firmly believe that. And so I was blown away in my entire definition of hospitality has been changed from traveling and interacting with people. What have you learned about yourself? So that is really the easiest question that I can field from anybody. What have I learned about myself throughout my travels and experiences, um, both home and abroad? And a lot of the traveling I've done has been with people and has been leading groups through Eastern Europe or through Ireland or some parts of the Middle East, etc. Um, but a lot of that time that I spend traveling is by myself. And people always ask, how do you do that? I mean, what is it like to, one, be by yourself that long of a time, much less be in Moscow or Paris or these other places where you literally know zero people in those places? I mean, how are you comfortable? And at first, it obviously wasn't easy because it was completely a foreign thought to me to be alone. I think the first time I really traveled by myself outside of Scotland and Ireland, which I was meeting somebody, so I wouldn't even justify that as solo traveling, was renting a car in Sarajevo, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and road tripping through the Balkans, through Croatia, Montenegro, Albania, Macedonia, Kosovo, Serbia, and Bulgaria. That was the first time I've ever truly been by myself. And there's kind of a two-end answer that I will give. One is that when you travel by yourself, it really gives you a window to interact with cultures even more stronger than you would if you were traveling with a group of friends. When you're traveling with friends, it's an amazing time and you're building shared memories that are going to last in your friendship for forever. Yet at the same time, you're so comfortable in these friendships that the odds of you stopping and meeting somebody in a market as you pick out your mortadella and parma reggiano in a market in Modena and having coffee with that person and learning about their life is just super unlikely because you're worried about the schedule and the opinions of your other friends. Um, so the amount you get to interact with the culture is less. Um, so I'm a big supporter of solo traveling, yet at the same time it isn't completely easy. Um, I never feel alone anymore because I never see it as being alone. I see it more of as I'm with myself. And at first that wasn't enough for me. But having breakfast with yourself, going to museums by yourself, and just going about your day and not worrying about really anything but the thoughts in your head and the people that might come in your path is really freed how I approach life, both traveling and on a day-to-day -day basis in Auburn, Alabama. How do you balance spending time with yourself and spending time with other people now? So a lot of people that I know 
separate that. There's a clear boundary between I wake up at seven and I'm with myself, whatever that might mean for you personally, until eight and then I will go to class, I'll start my commute to work, start my day in general. Um, for me, it's less of that and more of being comfortable in the moments that I'm not with people. So whether that is walking to a coffee shop, whether that is sitting at lunch and being on a patio in a popular place and being okay with not having somebody sitting beside me, whether we're talking or sitting on the phone, just I don't necessarily have the need to have that presence beside me. I love to. I love to. If I know you or I don't know you and you're listening to this, find me on Instagram, call me, would love to have lunch. Yet at the same time, I don't have that urge of being with people all the time. And so I'm perfectly comfortable just being where I am and taking a book with me so I don't default an awkward situation or an uncomfort to picking up my phone um, and just really being in tune with my thoughts. It's so hard now to be alone and it's so hard Mm -hmm. to not just resort to our phones and it's really challenging to not struggle with FOMO, the fear of missing out or wanting to be with somewhere where we're not constantly. I feel like, not to call out Snapchat, but of all things in the world, Snapchat is the epitome of this. I mean, when do you post a Snapchat story when you're doing, when you're having the best moment of your day? When do you look at them when you're bored out of your mind? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just so challenging. And I think about that constantly. What would be your advice to someone in finding peace and contentment, quote unquote, where their feet are? So there are a few quotes that really resonate with me here. One is the quote, bloom where you're planted. Mm -hmm. And when you think about a plant, the way that you are becoming what you're supposed to become organically is based on the environment around you. And so a lot of people will sit here and they would dream, oh, what is it like? What would it be like to walk to work every day? and see the Eiffel Tower or smell the bakeries in Boston and then they get there and that becomes their everyday and then again they're dreaming what would it be like to be here and so there's almost this default concept of our mind to be where we aren't even if our entire lives we've wanted to be where we are and There's this one quote that a guy stuck with me years and years ago. I couldn't even tell you where I was, who he was, etc. But essentially the concept of the quote was, we always hope for something. We always hope for the future. And once that future becomes our present, our reality, instead of living in that present that we once hoped for, we tend to hope again for something else instead of fully living in what we've been wanting, which I am a full advocate for pressing forward and wanting more. Yet at the same time, if you're not going to enjoy what you're hoping for. What do you hope for? What do you hope for? What do I hope for? What do you hope for? Man. So we we had lunch about an hour and a half ago, and one of the questions he opened with, Brendan, um, was, what is the hardest question you've ever been asked? And the answer to that question for me was probably that one, (laughs) because there's a lot of hard questions (laughs) that just are nearly unanswerable, Um, especially for me, because I like to think I know a lot, but the more I come to know, the more I realize I really don't know much. What I hope for is nearly an impossible question to answer because there's so many different things and different facets of life that I hope for. Um, But what I really hope for is for people to be open to experiencing other people and having a safe opportunity to have an interaction with people that you don't think are like you and 
essentially realize that you have more in common than you have not in common. Sounds like a great natural segue to talk about your new venture that you're starting in Croatia. That's right. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I briefly mentioned the development of Johnny's Flights, and that was an incredible opportunity for me to connect people um, with different places for two years. Yet, as I started to reflect on that um, in this past season of life, I realized that although I can get people to different places for an incredibly, if not unbelievably cheap price, there's still so many unanswered questions that would hold people back from saying, yes, I'll book that flight. For example, where am I going to stay when I get there? What am I going to do when I'm there? I'm not going to know anybody. Am I going to be able to convince any of my friends to come with me? Is there going to be a language barrier? And really so many more questions. Um, So taking that and combining that with my hope of connecting people to places and the people that are in those places and having healthy interactions um, and conversations and shared meals together, I realized that what I was doing with the flights wasn't enough. And how could I answer and address more of these questions and almost have it to where there is an entire planned out trip to Europe or another place where all of the logistics, all of the flights, everything structure-wise is taken care of. And you have a host of the trip that travels with you that either speaks the language or has been to the place enough times to navigate it. And it is a group travel experience to where other people from other places are coming on the trip as well. That takes care of all of the questions of logistics and where to stay, um, who to go with, taken care of, and still a very, very cheap price for everything, as well as a source of comfort by having a hosted guide that is about your age, um, that can communicate and kind of be that source of home while you're in a new place. That kind of answers every question to the point we can just say, come with us. Come and try this. Um, You've always wanted to go to France. We'll take care of everything for, for you. Just come. You want to sell the Croatian coastline. We'll take care of everything just come. Irish road trip, Scottish road trip, Wimbledon. So talking about this, these trips, they sound amazing. They sound like my mom would tell you this is right up my alley. Where are you taking people? Yeah, so as of right now, I was, I was telling you earlier that I've never owned a planner before. And upon starting this company and beginning to host travel experiences, in order to market trips for people to come on, dates have to be set. So people can ask for vacation or it can fit into their spring break, summer, etc. And so I bought a planner and essentially the entire schedule is planned out until late 2020, which is honestly kind of intimidating, to be honest with you. Um, But the places we'll be going that are completely already planned out and just waiting for the website to be launched in October are going to be um, up and down Italy. We'll go to Croatia, we'll go to Greece, Holland, Belgium, Ireland, Scotland. A lot of the places that you have likely, if you have an Instagram, will see pictures of on a daily basis and say, what would it be like to be there? And we want to hopefully give you the opportunity to be there. What differentiates Johnny Travel from these other companies uh, in Europe that are doing very similar things? There are several key differentiators. One being the price. So the goal of all of our trips are to keep the price. That includes your round trip flights to and from U.S. to Europe. Travel from city to city and your lodging on a nightly basis. All for around $1,100 for, let's say, a 10-day trip. Whoa. Whoa. How? Exactly. Come with us. This is the secret of the sauce. <laughs> I will not tell you the secret of the sauce. So that, that, that's, in my opinion, the key differentiator. Because I think an average study abroad program for maybe four weeks runs, at least in the area that I'm familiar with, about six grand. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't include your flights. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends that have booked flights without me 
um, and then would come to me and say, hey, I booked this for this, and I would just say, you don't want my response. Um, they usually book their flights to and from Europe for about $1,800. And so my goal is to keep every trip that I plan, and I'll be hosting most of the trips myself. If not, then one of my good friends will be um, for cheaper than you would normally find a round-trip flight. And another key differentiator would be the host himself. So in a lot of cases, I will be the host, and I have been to every single place multiple times that is on our itinerary. Um, I passed a Somalia exam last March, which we chatted about at lunch woo-woo. earlier. Woo-woo. Um, big wine fans, I would say. Yeah, big, big wine fans. Um, and so when it comes to Italy, France, and even the Istrian coast in Croatia, I mean, that's just kind of my, my stopping grounds. And so if you want to know um, a little bit more about the wine world, but not in a pretentious way, because a lot of people in the wine world like to keep knowledge to themselves. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So it was really hard to study for that exam because there's not much information. Um, but you can see it, smell it, taste it, and know a little bit about it in a fun way. Um, and also just kind of have a friend along the way. So one of the biggest reasons that I want to connect people to places and the people in those places through group travel experiences is we all tend to be a little bit more open when we're uncomfortable. And on a day-to-day basis, odds are we don't get uncomfortable very often. And so I would love to help usher people into an uncomfortable environment and yet be that source of comfort and be a friend. and just kind of see what interactions and what kind of friends we make along the way. So price and friendship. Boom. That's Boom. You are an industrial engineering major. That's right. Was it difficult to go out on a limb and do this thing? Uh, have you felt supported? What's it like? So originally coming into college, I was an aerospace engineer. And for two years, my life was class, study, sleep. And that was not fun. And so I approached my parents and said, hey, what I really love is art, history, people, psychology, and other things. What would you guys think about me changing from aerospace to these other things? And they presented me with a really realistic response of just like general job opportunities that comes off of um, your major choice. Um, And they really recommended me to stay within engineering. And so by default, I chose industrial engineer because a lot of people in Auburn term it as the imaginary engineering. And I thought that it would be kind of an easy way to get an engineering degree. And it would be a great fallback plan for anything I decided to do. So I never just really wanted to be an industrial engineer, but it was a great way for me to get an industrial engineering degree um, and use that as a platform to do something else. What that something else was going to be, at that point in my mind, I sure did not know. Um, And as for a support system, one beautiful thing about industrial engineering at Auburn University is one, the program is incredible. Yet most of the people that are industrial engineers don't necessarily want to be industrial engineers, which is interesting. That's awesome. So a lot of people I know that are in my major have no desire to work in a manufacturing setting, um, and they want to go into business, teaching, oil, just something that's not engineering. And so while starting a travel business and moving to Europe isn't necessarily conventional, it's still comparable into it's doing something that you weren't necessarily taught to do in school. So right here, we're gonna have a song transition. Pick one. Pick a song? Of mine. Fruit Loop. Fruit Loops it is. Go out for an hour, take a half hour shower, but I still can't get to sleep. I need your love I need space So darling, I need your love So babe
baby, just give me your love. Okay, Johnny, let's talk about lifestyle. So, in terms of lifestyle, you are starting your own company. Where are the finances coming from? Where's your food coming from? Where are you going to sleep in Croatia? When you were traveling, did you stay in hostels, B&Bs? Rabbit holes, baby. Let's go. So the money aspect is all coming from my own personal finances that I have saved up through the years. Um, there's going to be no loans, no seed funding, funding, no venture capitalists, no parents' money, nothing. It's just money that I have saved and the hopeful aspect of some future income in the future. Um, Food-wise, that's a great question, and so is lodging. And that is going to be completely dependent on what happens next. Of course, I have some money saved up over the years um, as kind of a fallback net. Um, however, that's really the interesting thing about the job that I'm entering. So if I were to be moving to Croatia and working for some sort of company, some firm, a coffee shop, or even doing an au pair, there really would be no question of food, lodging, or finances because I would have all of those due to a con consistent income. However, starting a company as an American from a small town in Alabama, moving to Croatia, which I've been one time in my life, um, and starting this company to where there is no base sales income, it's just either you have some or you don't. And essentially I'll be working this sales job where I market these trips which already have a very small profit margin in order for me to keep it as cheap as possible for anybody that wants to come and travel and experience um, it's either I have zero income or I have some income um, but really I'm not worried about food or lodging I've I found some good places in the northern coast of Croatia around the cities of Pula and Rovin um, which is about a 10 feet walk to the coastline and about a three-hour bus ride from Venice and so I can go experience Carnival and also have access to the airport wherever I do, do need to fly out and um, lead a trip. This sounds romantically beautiful and great and dope and I think anyone listening is like count me in. However, it's probably not going to be easy. What are you scared of? What pitfalls do you foresee? And what are you super excited about? I booked a flight about a month and a half ago. January 14th, 2020. Atlanta to Europe. That's the day. That's the day, January 14th. Um, and I just sat there. And when I booked this flight, it was in the process of creating this company. And so it's nothing but excitement and momentum. We haven't really hit any challenges yet. And yet, when I was sitting here looking at the checkout portal, I was like, whoa. It was like a $14 flight? It, it was not expensive. <laughs> um, it was not expensive. Um, so I, I remember just sitting there and I was like, wow, this is the first time that this feels real. I, I know two people that live in Croatia in my short time that I have lived there. Um, but that's it. And odds are the cities that I'm living in will not be close to those two people I know. Um, there's it's one of them, Luka Modric, whatever his last name is. It is not. I, th I think he lives in... Does he, does he play for Spain or does he play in England? France? France? CPSG? I don't know. I think he plays in Europe. <laughs> um... I wish that would be awesome. I'm a big, so even crazier story um, is I lived in southern Germany for six weeks um, a few years ago during the World Cup. And whenever the World Cup happens, sure, I always want the USA to do well. However, we have to first be in the tournament to do well. Um, so I always pick a team that I don't really think has much of a chance or maybe just doesn't have much of a fan base to root for them. And usually that's Ivory Coast for me. However, this that year there was no Ivory Coast in the tournament. And so it came down to Iceland or Croatia. And I picked Croatia. So yes. the only jersey that I own in any sport, honestly, 
is a Croatian soccer jersey, which no is in my way. room over there. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I've never would have thought that I would buy this Croatia jersey um, at Tiergarten, the Central Park of Berlin, and then two years later go live there. Wow. Weird. Great way to relate, though. I mean, sports, especially football, soccer, whatever. I'm not the biggest soccer fan, but I love watching people who love soccer watch Mm -hmm. soccer Mm because they love it. They love it. And that's what I love about it. So what a great way to relate as soon as you're there. You're like, oh, yeah. I know. Absolutely. And, I mean, that was arguably probably the most exciting month of Croatia as a country. (laughs) I'm sure they'll tell you that joining the European Union, European Union in 2014 was great. Even though I think the voting was like 53% to 47%. But every single person will tell you this was it. That was 100% voting. We went Croatia. 100% voting, man. So back to those two friends that I know in Croatia. That's really everybody that I know um, in that area. I mean, I have different friends scattered out through most countries in Europe, but Croatia is not one that I would say I have plenty of. Um, So I I think community is the thing that I am, I don't know if I would use the word fearful, but I might would use the word hesitant about the most. Um, Because I've already somewhat been conditioned because most of my friends that graduated in Auburn um, this past May, since I'm studying here for an extra semester, have not only moved out of Auburn, but some of my best friends in the world are now 5,000 miles away. Um, so I've already kind of been conditioned to separation. I don't know if I would use the word separation, um, but just distance. Um, so I would say hesitancy about community is one thing. Yet at the same time, if I'm traveling with groups for, I don't know, let's say six months of the year, then I'll be with them 24-7. And so it really just be... Living in Croatia will be kind of a reset from the groups. Um, but I just I don't know what that's going to look like. A lot of questions. Both in the podcast and just, you know, life in general. <laughs> yeah, life's, life's full of questions. If we live it the right way. Um, if you were to go back and tell yourself at the beginning of college when you were... Hmm coming out of in your own words a sheltered environment having the experiences you have now having seen a ton of countries opened up doors for other people to see a ton of countries and now you are leaving all that you have found comfortable to move into discomfort to seek those experiences to get to know other people what would you tell yourself coming into Auburn first year about exploration it's worth it it's easier than you think, but it's not necessarily easy. Um, there's a lot of hard circumstances and a lot of hard conversations um, mixed in with disappointment and adjusted expectations. Yet at the same time, the lessons you learn, the strangers that you get to call friends, the foods you eat, the drinks you taste, um, and the people you get to see what their everyday life is like is absolutely worth it. How can we take that mindset of exploration into everyday life? So what's beautiful about your company is that it's making it accessible for people to travel mm-hmm. around the world for a cheap price and have amazing cultural experiences and meet people and explore and have the food, have the wine, all for less than their round-trip flight might be otherwise. For those that maybe just can't get the gumption to Mm -hmm. travel abroad how can we take that mindset that you're talking about and bring it to auburn alabama or athens georgia Mm -hmm. or salt lake city utah or wherever we live yeah so i think if you were to sit down and talk to anybody that has traveled remotely extensively they could probably give you a list of quote why we travel unquote and there are a lot of things that could go into great detail about knowing things you didn't know existed and learning that the mindset and the worldview you grew up with might not be how the world actually interacts. 
yet at the bottom of that list, not necessarily in a ranking order, just organically in a presentation, it would probably end with we travel so we can find out why we appreciate home. So to appreciate home, you have to know what isn't home and how other people define home and their everyday life. And having the opportunity to travel gives you a good conception of the good and also bad parts of what home looks like. And it also gives you a better approach to treat everyday interactions. Um, so travel in a lot of ways makes you more open to people, cultures, traditions, and kind of more aware of maybe following your nose to that bakery that might be three streets away. Um, so to encapsulate exploration where you are now, it doesn't have to be a flight overseas. There are a ton of things around you that people fly from other places to come and see. So one, enjoy those places, but more importantly, enjoy those people within those places. And it's very organic in human nature for us to group with people that we have common interests with, um, though those do tend to change as we get older. When, when you travel, you experience people that maybe don't have common interests with you or just have a completely different experience of what it's like to live in this world than what you did at your home. And so approaching your everyday life interactions, whether that be in class, at work, at a restaurant, coffee shop, or wherever you spend time, knowing that we are all essentially people that are desiring to be loved and in turn to love others, changes your mindset on really every aspect of life. What's your vision for Johnny Travel? <laughs> um, so the vision, I've, I've said this several times now, I believe, is to connect people to places and the people in those places through affordable travel experiences to where we can say, we'll take care of everything, come with us. How long this will last, it's a big old we'll see. Um, so I, before I brought this up or really gave this much thought to anyone, I sat down with my parents and said, what do you guys think about this? And they were very supportive, um, which I respect them a lot for because I don't think many parents want their kid to grow up and move halfway across the world, um, especially not having a stable income or a lot of other details. Uh, but they were very supportive, and we essentially said that we'll sit down in two years and reassess what's next. Um, so this could be a thing that goes on for forever and grows and can reach more people in more places or it could be an avenue that works out really well for two to four years and then maybe I stay in Europe and go to grad school and try to pick up some different languages and then say well what's next one step at a time playing by ear that's right Last section of the podcast, Kyle Larson's Life Hacks, inspired by my friend Kyle Larson from back in college. Amazing man. Uh, he came up with the idea of Life Hacks on a listserv that we were on, and so he has inspired this, and he will continue to inspire this until the end of time. So, Johnny, your one overarching life hack, go. This could either be really insightful for some of you, or just incredibly disappointing for others of you. So one life hack that he shared with me earlier was if you're road tripping around the States, there's a lot of hotels that serve continental hot breakfasts every morning. Matt Zimmerman, thank you. Matt Zimmerman, I'm not sure who you are, but let's be friends someday. <laughs> um, and he said, I mean, odds are if you walk into one of these places confidently, they're not going to know you're not supposed to be there or they just won't care. Either way, you'll be eating pancakes with a cup of orange juice at no cost while you travel. Um, and that is a genius <laughs> life hack. 
And I would love for mine to be somewhat similar to where if you're just in this certain scenario, this is a great thing for you to do. However, I think I'm going to go for more of an abstract, theoretical life hack. I love that, yeah. Um, so as we were kind of saying earlier with hoping for the future and that future becoming the present, and instead of living in the thing you once hoped for, you continue to hope again. My life hack would essentially be wherever you are, be all there. The future will come and you can't change the past. You can learn to live with it. But the one thing you can change is your attitude and how you approach life in the present. So be there. App everyone needs to download. Okay, so I would say I'm gonna give a a real world answer and then I'm gonna give a travel answer. So traveling, one of the biggest cost is data. If you're AT&T and Verizon, you can pay $10 a day and have full data. However, that's $10 a day. And if you're there for a month, that's $300. If you're there longer, that is more than $300. Um, So if you're traveling, download WhatsApp and Google Maps. WhatsApp essentially gives you the ability to call, FaceTime, text over Wi-Fi. And Google Maps, you can download maps for any city or the country small enough any country mm-hmm. completely offline mm-hmm. so if you need to know where a restaurant is or a museum is you don't need any data just type it in and it'll take you straight there apps for everyday life so this is rewinding back to shoot maybe eighth grade also in terms of whatsapp what's up most countries <laughs> most countries don't use like iMessage in normal texting apps. So if you want to have a friend that's from England or Argentina yeah. or Australia, WhatsApp is your moneymaker because they've got the different, co- it's just much easier. So just download WhatsApp. That's just yeah. a life hack in general, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and by most countries don't use iMessage. I think he loosely means all countries do not use iMessage <laughs> yeah. except for the US of A. It's exactly what I mean. That's exactly it. <laughs> So most countries, especially in South America and Western Europe, use WhatsApp. A lot of countries in Northern Europe use Facebook Messenger, which is something that I've never used in the States before. Um, a lot of countries in Southern Europe use something called Viber, which I don't love personally, but they seem to there. And then a lot of countries in Asia either use WhatsApp or WeChat. So essentially don't expect to use WhatsApp. And if you go to other countries, they almost just expect you organically to have these other apps downloaded to make friends mm. and they'll be really impressed with you if you already know that ahead of time mm. so friendship points for the friends you don't yet have mm-hmm. mark it down um, so I recently traveling a lot and being on airplanes I think in August there was a, a nine day span where I was on 14 flights I think and I was tired Yeah. and I've read my books I watched my Netflix downloaded shows and so I decided to start playing games, which I haven't kept games on my phone since high school. And I actually just started uh, playing it now. He's playing 2048 right now. Dude, I am a big fan of 2048. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> Is that eighth grade? My high school got like computers in high school and it just took a storm ninth grade. Did it really? Yeah. So that would be your eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. So eighth grade. Eighth grade. I think we're the same age. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Regardless, it was a it was a decently long time ago in relative to how long we've been on the earth. <laughs> we, we we looked at each other like right when I said that, and we had this moment of wait a second. It's like wait a second. <laughs> um, so this is a great app to pass time. I'm not a big fan of saying the word pass time. <laughs> so I asked this question on Instagram a couple weeks ago: Who lived the double life better, Princess Fiona or Hannah Montana? Wow. Fiona. I'm so glad you said that. I don't know if there's much of a question here, actually. I'm with you. So let me let me re- return you with two questions. Heavily debated. Question one. At what point does a chicken nugget become a boneless wing? Never. But a boneless wing is inherently a chicken nugget. So what do you think is the separation between the two? A boneless wing 
is a chicken nugget because a boneless wing is not a thing. Interesting. If you order a boneless wing, you are inherently ordering chicken nuggets. Sue me. You make a good point. But to a lot of people, boneless wings are indeed a thing, even if they are in reality just... They're holding on to a false reality. Larger chicken nuggets that happen to be breaded slightly differently. They're holding on to fake, <laughs> fake. So really, the only difference it comes down to is a boneless wing happens to be, what, tossed or covered in sauce before it's served to you, whether it's you get a chicken nugget and you just dip it in the sauce. Yeah, that's relative, though. That's it. Because you could toss the chicken nuggets in sauce and then just call them sauce chicken nuggets. It's true. Johnny Travel, saucy chicken nuggets. <laughs> Anyways, uh, non-self-help book everyone needs to read. I can't answer this without addressing two books. One book taught me what love is when I was a junior in high school and had many questions about everything in the world. Still, to this day, just different questions now. Um, And the other book kind of taught me what it means to live in this world and live in it well and not necessarily spend time and energy on things that might not really matter in the grand scheme of life, which in the long run, it's a lot of things we spend our daily energy on might matter for that day, but they sure won't matter in a week from now, much less 10, 20 years. Um, So the book that taught me how to love and to love well is the book Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. So it's, it's a fictional take on book in the bible hosea and it is incredible i'm one of the only dudes that i know that i've read it however i stand by it and i think it's incredible um in the book that kind of changed you eat boneless wings too daily yeah same type of person (laughs) (laughs) to be honest i couldn't tell you the last time i've had either chicken nuggets or boneless wings food that isn't fried for the most part Besides the hash browns and the french fries that we had for lunch today. (laughs) Um, Anywho, the book that taught me about the world and perception of the world. um, One of the most popular books of all time. And I think things are usually cliche for a reason. The Alchemist. Great book. Great book. Fantastic read. Uh, Album everyone needs to listen to from start to finish. So oddly enough... Although I don't, there is reasoning behind the order in it. I don't think it necessarily tells a story by any means. Billy Eilish's new album, From Start to Finish, is just... So good. Scary good. And you could even separate the two words and say scary and good. <laughs> if you know me, you know that I, I... First of all, I love pop sung by female artists. Secondly... I should like there's no reason why we should like Billie Eilish's music but it's impossible to dislike it if you dislike Billie Eilish's music I just don't think you've listened to it Mm -hmm. more than once because there's something about it that's just freaking awesome right and that's another thing that if I could probably rewind about the the life hacks it would be try everything twice because the first time you try something you're either going to have a surprise factor or a false expectation that skews your perception of if you like it or not. And the second time you have a more realistic view of what well, have this again. Billy Eilish the first time, you might have some mixed thoughts, but the second time you're like, this 16, 15, 17 or 18, somewhere in that area is a genius. Her brother and her. True. Both geniuses. Phineas is amazing songwriter producer. Absolutely. When the party's over is just exquisite. Wow. Yeah. You did not strike me as a Billie Eilish guy. Have you seen her Hot Wings interview? I have. So good. So good. (laughs) Have you seen her? So I haven't seen her perform live personally, but I love watching her YouTube videos. And there's not many people are that passionate and that engaging on stage. Have, Have you watched any? I've been to her show. You have been to her show? She insulted all of us. It was at South by Southwest. It was a 21 and up show. It was the first 21 and up show she had ever played. Because she's not? Because she's not 21, I guess. And, <laughs> and uh, she said, all you guys are like 21 and up, right? And everybody like cheers. And she says, Psh, 
what are you doing with your lives? I'm 17 and I'm on stage. Whoa. It's like, what? Whoa. I don't know what I'm doing with my life, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Give me a break. I'm trying, okay? Come to think about it, I'm not really sure what I am doing with my life. Thank you for... Uh... That's why I decided to be a musician. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Um, okay, last uh, two questions. Number one, country everyone should go to before they die. Whoa. Only one. Dang it. So I would definitely break this question down into two answers if I had the choice. However, I, I can't. Um, so for that reason, in this day and age, if the culture was to be maintained the same, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Is something happening to their culture? It's more of their history is the most fresh I've ever seen in any culture. And so you can see it in the eyes and the way that people conduct their everyday life, which I've never encountered. That's wild. I don't even know what that means. Okay, one uh, for anyone on the edge of doing something Mm -hmm. unorthodox, what would be your parting piece of encouragement? There is a word in the German language called Torchlesspannik, which essentially means watching your life pass by you, just as a train would go by you. And so I would say whatever you're about to do or whatever you want to do, whether it be conventional or not, put yourself in the shoes of 30-year-old you, 40-year-old you, 50-year-old you, and even maybe 80-year-old you, and say, is this something that I want to look back on? and say I absolutely did this or not because for me personally when I'm looking back and thinking what will 80 year old Johnny value the most it is going to be connection with people and I think that it's super valuable to live a life that you want to look back on and say yes and so just come at whatever you're about to do with different perspectives and find out if your passion intersects accordingly. Boom. Johnny, thank you. Thank you. So I actually texted him two nights ago out of nowhere. We did not know each other until today. And I was like, dude, you want to be on a podcast? And he was like, right on, let's do it. And so that just goes to show you his personality. He's going to rock it. Go travel with Johnny Travel. Go listen to my music. Go dogs. And War Eagle. (laughs) Johnny Bradford, ladies and gentlemen. What a legend. I am so thankful that he was willing to come on the Live My Dream podcast when I was only in Auburn for two days on my current tour. And I'm sure that after hearing about that adventurous and explorative spirit, you want to follow along with his journey, which you can do so by following his new company on Instagram, at Johnny Travel, which will be in the show notes. And if you know anyone that would be an outstanding fit for the Live My Dream podcast to sit down and have a great conversation with me about what they're doing, please do not hesitate to reach out through the Connect tab on my website. And if you just want to sit down and chat about your dream or your life, there's nothing I would love more than to do exactly that. Thank you for joining me for another outstanding episode of the Live My Dream podcast. I'm having a blast doing these, and I hope you're feeling encouraged. Tune back in in a couple weeks when I sit down with founder and CEO of Rugged Road Outdoors, Spencer Sutland, who has created a revolutionary cooler product and really just a game-changing company overall. I hope you'll consider following along with my dream as well by following me on Instagram or Spotify as I'm Couchsurf in the United States. In the meantime, between these episodes, it's a great time to make your dream a reality today. Woohoo! The Live My Dream podcast is edited and produced by Brendan Abernathy, and all music therein are his own original works to which he owns all the rights. The songs appearing on today's episode were two of his most recent releases, Fruit Loops and Chasing Sunsets. And the theme song of Live My Dream podcast is, of course, 
The Rat Race. All of these can be found wherever you listen to your music, and it would mean the absolute world if you gave them a listen, added to playlist, shared to your friends, and got the music circulating. Also, if you wouldn't mind dropping a five-star review and some comments below, that would be awesome and very helpful.